All right. Uh, welcome to the Earth Brother podcast, episode uh-huh. four. And I've always uh, wanted you... to be on this podcast. Ah, I know. Me too. <laughs> That's why I made it. Uh, so here with me, I have my dear, dear friend over many, many years, uh, Nigel Dusange. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, thank you. Fantastic. And welcome. Welcome all the guests. Uh, Nigel is an entrepreneur. He's a debate coach and he teaches English English language and uh, public speaking skills. And this is something that um, I would like to learn about today. So would you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, how long have we've, <clears throat> well, we've known each other 12 years now, right? 13 years, no, 12, 13 Some, years. Something like that for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Yeah. No, I never, um, well, going into this, I didn't plan for it. I didn't even plan the teaching part for it. Uh, and I think, I think that's how it works for most people. Yeah. As much as everyone tells you, you know, you got to plan, you got to plan. Maybe in hindsight, it would have been better if I planned for this work, the work that I'm doing now. But I think none of it was planned at all yeah so i got into it what i do uh it's very niche in my country Malaysia. i think there's about three companies three or four companies at the most in the whole country who are doing what we do which is teaching mostly younger children how to debate how to think critically uh, how to engage in public speaking yeah. And then, of course, all the byproduct benefits that come along with it. So most of the clients, the parents, they'll come in and they're not thinking about debate or public speaking or critical thinking. The only thing they're thinking about is my child isn't confident. I want my child to be more confident when they speak. And this is the closest thing that they can find. But then when the child starts joining and they start speaking and they actually start becoming a good debater, then they notice all the byproduct benefits, you know, so their child's a lot sharper. The child knows a lot more about what's happening in the world. Oftentimes the child actually knows more than the parent does about what's happening in the world. You know, like we've got children who are 12, 13, who know more about the Russia-Ukraine conflict than their parents know about the conflict. You know, the types of weapons that are used, you know, the numbers of, of military men that are fighting in the conflict. You know, so it's really fantastic to watch so you think it really also helps them to uh learn how to seek for information so do you, do you teach them how to yeah uh, use different kinds of channels of uh, like news channels etc to to look for information and sort of to think critically and make up their mind about what's pretty going much on? pretty much you know the first struggle that we actually had was because i think i would say maybe in the last five or ten years it's very 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 difficult to find neutral sources of information so if you go back maybe 15 20 years you know if you look at like the american media outlets right uh, cnn fox news all of them more or less gave you similar types of news right but today it's very hard today if you want conservative news right you have to go to fox and if you want pure liberal left-leaning news you have to go to cnn there's no real in-between that you can find anymore. It's really, really tough. In fact, I would wager to say that 
neutral news outlets now really only exist in third world developing nations. It's more or less where you have to run to to find neutral sources of news today. So yeah, even from 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 you know 12, 13, 14, we teach a lot of them how to search for news outlets. You know, we 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 um, we highlight to them which are the outlets that are likely going to be very biased. And then as a third precautionary measure, we teach them how to read through biased media as well. Yeah, so that they don't get pulled into any one media channel or media outlet. Does that make sense? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I definitely want to want to follow up on that. Like, um, what do you think, like today, sure, there's those uh, big media outlets that 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 give information. But what do you think of uh, is the role of uh, information channels like uh, podcasts and yeah. other other independent um, sort of, uh, you know, yeah. people and organizations that are giving out information? What do you think is their role in the in the bigger picture yeah. so like independent journalists and independent independent media outlets when it comes to podcasts i podcasts are actually still so fresh and so new that i don't think they have a predefined uh, purpose or intention right because even now the largest podcasts international podcasts like joe rogan or lex friedman uh, neither of them started the podcast with an intention or a purpose, right? It was to to get their friends on the show and, and uh, get random guests on the show and then see what happens. So they don't actually have a, a predetermined role that they want to play. Maybe now it's a bit clearer. Um, but the media outlets, at least anyone who identifies as a media outlet, I think it was very, very clear from the get-go. It's actually still clear now, even though none of them follow it which is that you're just supposed to tell us what's happening and that's it. If you want an opinion piece, you must very clearly highlight it as an opinion piece. And it should be in one separate section. This is an opinion, nothing else. But today, opinion pieces, factual pieces, you know, investigative pieces, all of them become one and the same. They're all, they've all merged together so much so that you can't really tell them apart anymore. Yeah, but they'll still tell you that our role is just to report it as it is. You know, like how a lot of popular media outlets, they still have that as their slogan, telling you as it is, right? That's, that's actually a very good, yeah. What you hear. <laughs> that's, like, that's a good benchmark. If there's a media outlet that says telling you as it is, there's a very good chance they're not telling you as it is. Yeah, that's like a good uh, a good red flag for you to look out for. So, um, so with these children, uh, you're working with them, so in the end, uh, you're really just giving them the tools to sort of have discernment and Pretty to, much. yeah, so that they can, they can sort of figure out the facts for themselves. Or do you still give them uh, some channels of information that you ver verified for yourself to, to be effective as yeah. well? So it's a bit we, of both. We, yeah. yeah, we start them off with the channels that, we have used for many years and we have found to be fairly neutral, you know, but even that's getting harder and harder. Like when we started out maybe a few years ago, uh, we, the company and myself personally, we used to subscribe to this uh, magazine called The Economist. It's a very popular, it covers everything. There's investigative pieces, there's, you know, um, yeah, everything, pretty much everything. Um, and at the time, 
it, was, it wasn't cheap, by the way. It's one of the most expensive magazine subscriptions you can subscribe to. And at the time, it was really good. I mean, five, six, seven, eight years ago, it was really good, right? You get everything as it is. But then there was this very obvious and sudden flip, which was in 2016, when Donald Trump rose to power. Then all of a sudden, the, that magazine sort of transformed into this relatively neutral, uh, informative, uh, very well-written pieces. They transformed almost overnight into uh, an entire magazine where 80% of the content was hating Trump. That's it. You know, front page, we hate Trump. Um, uh, midway through, here's how much we still hate Trump. And so on and so forth. In conclusion, here's why we hate Trump. You know, so it got very, very, just very tiring. Yeah, it got very exhausting towards the end. So it's hard to say. I might recommend something to to a young debater today, but by next year, it would have gradually transformed without them realizing that's changed. Yeah. So I'm actually not sure. Um, we still use the same sources that we've used before. For example, a really good free free um, media source that we still use is BBC News, BBC Global News. I mean, that's been pretty good. Um, for a while, the news sources that uh, Reddit used to compile, there's a whole Reddit thread uh, on global news where everybody sticks the latest bit of news and it's updated like every two seconds or three seconds. Right? So that was good as well. But you see, even there, because I suspect that most of the users on Reddit lean one side or another, even they are selective with the news that they want to put up. You get what I mean? Yeah, I do. And you know, you know, like I think in the end of the day, uh, is 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 there really an unbiased, uh, uh, sort of news? Like, yeah, is is new? Can news ever be fully reliable? Because everybody has a bias of some sort so uh, that's why i'm really happy that 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 about your work and how you're teaching the children to to think for mm -hmm. themselves and I, I think that's really going to take them a lot further in life than than if if we were just uh indoctrinating them to yeah. believe this one thing and uh, <laughs> follow this so. one source and one political yeah. you know um, yeah i do still stress there is a in many situations not all there is still a right and wrong thing to do um, but when it comes to debate specifically, like, you know, many times we have gotten angry parents specifically because we discussed an issue that was contentious. For example, Israel and Palestine, right? the constant conflict, the rockets that are launched between both states, killing innocent people in both states. Um, but because, you know, the parent already had decided which side they were on. So they assumed which side we were on when we were teaching the class, even though the class was very, very neutral. And all it took was one very, very uh, upset person to ban that topic completely from every class. We cannot discuss that topic anymore. It's gone, just wiped. Yeah. <laughs> So these parents sent you a complaint and and said, "What well, what did what did they say that they pull their kid out or in, if you don't yeah, pretty much, stop yeah, discussing pretty this? Pretty much like a blackmail a blackmail uh, thing, you right? Know? Um, and no matter how many times we'll try and say, look, 
this is a debate that there is never one side. If it's one side, it wouldn't be a debate class. You know, it just wouldn't be. Yeah, like you can get one side. I mean, uh, I think people also need to recognize that most of your life, you deal with just one side, right? So if you think about your closest friends, there's a good chance that you already only surround yourself, at least the people close to you, you already surround yourself with people who more or less agree with you already. Right? Otherwise, they won't be your friends. If they're constantly debating you, you won't want to be their friends. So you're, that that's one. They're already on your side. For the most part, your family is already kind of on your side as well. Your romantic partner is already kind of on your side because otherwise you wouldn't be with her or with him. You know, So debate is probably the one time where you can intentionally put yourself in a situation where most people are not on your side. And what are you going to do about that? Right? Because... Like that that's how it's gonna be. You go out, most people are not on your side. Most people don't care about you or what you do. Yeah, they're not on your side. They don't know who you are. You know, the only time people are on your side is when you're in your bubble, in your home, uh, in your romantic life, in your family life, that's it. But outside of that, people are not on your side. So I think debate essentially just equips you and tells you what you can do, knowing that most people are not on your side. I'm getting the, yeah, yeah, the kind of feeling about debate uh, uh, that debate can essentially be like a safe space for you to be safely in this in disagreement with each other yeah. and talk about difficult things and difficult topics. Yeah. But it's like a it's a safe space. It's a container where you yeah. are encouraged to to disagree about yeah. about things which is i think it, it can be very helpful because um yeah a lot a lot of times a lot of people don't dare to disagree because of course there's the fear of abandonment yeah. or etc etc which which can happen in our social lives uh so i I'm, I'm getting the feeling that this could be a good good container to to practice this kind of thing yeah that's what i'm hoping for okay so i got a question for Definitely. you yeah, sure. What is what is in your uh, interpretation the difference between a debate and dialogue? Uh, well, I mean, I I suspect dialogue. Well, okay, maybe the outcome when it comes to dialogue is more up in the air, right? So dialogue dialogue just means a conversation, right? Or or the act of engaging in conversation, um, without any uh, predisposed outcome or without any expectations when entering into it, unless someone has predefined what it should be. Whereas debate, both parties are entering it, expecting to fight. Yeah. If they don't fight, then not a debate, then dialogue. Yeah. So you think there's a, there's a place for both dialogue yeah. and debate, sort of depending on the situation and the, and the yeah, outcome definitely. that you want to reach? I, yeah. You know, we, we, like if we get a, a, a new crop of students one of the first things that we say because in any given classroom right you'll have introverts and then the extroverts and then the ambiverts and then someone who's all over the place and many of them will say like mm, actually i don't like debate uh, because i'm very non-confrontational and you know i don't like disagreements i just agree with everything and most things like but that's not true ever it's never true in, in fact the people who who seem most agreeable 
constantly disagree with themselves because they tell themselves, I have to say yes, I have to agree, otherwise I'm going to get in trouble, otherwise life is going to be difficult, otherwise I'll be punished. They constantly have an internal debate with themselves. You know, or someone else might be like, no, no, I never debate in school. I never debate. Like, okay, but do you argue with your parents? Like, yeah, I do it. Like, that's a debate. Yeah, you do it there. Do you argue with yourself when, when you make a decision? Decision? Like, yeah, I do. That's a debate as well. That's it. Yeah. So in a way, might as well know how to do it constructively. Exactly. Instead Precisely. of in a way that, that produces harm. Correct. So. Yeah, there are better and worse ways to do it. Everyone's going to do it. Um, but the one thing we can control and the one thing we can help is that can help you do it a little bit better, both to yourself and when you engage uh, in it with other people. Yeah. I really like that. So um, uh, I got a question about entrepreneurship. So what, uh, uh, as you've been an entrepreneur for a couple of years now, how many years exactly have you been doing this? Oh, so? The company was registered officially 2017. Okay, so that's six years, six. thereabouts. Yeah, 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 thereabouts. Yeah, Excellent. Coming up to six years. Yeah. Yeah. So, what what is the what is the best thing about entrepreneurship that you enjoy the most, and what is uh, some of the biggest or what is the biggest challenge that you face uh, okay. regularly or or um, in in your working life? All right. Okay. Well, the first. Okay. You know the 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 thing that everyone uses as a uses as a calling card for entrepreneurship it's always the same which is i get to be my own boss you've heard of that right constantly say i'm my own boss i'm my own boss my own boss nobody's their own boss ever i'm actually also not sure what that means because um i think what they mean is that if you're an entrepreneur and you run a company you don't have a boss who's shouting down at you and expecting you to show up on so I really want to hear this thing about not not being your own boss, being yeah. uh, sort of, um, mm, what's yeah. the word? Uh, what's the word? You're sort of accountable, accountable for yes, someone. Yes, correct. Yeah, you're always responsible. You're always accountable. Um, there is no such thing as you are your own boss. I think the only person I can think of that can actually use that statement is a retiree who is sitting on a lot of money and then collecting their investment uh, payouts every year. That's the only person I can think they can actually say that. Yeah, <laughs> they are their own boss. Um, but even if you do run a really, really successful business, there's no such thing. Yeah, you have to be accountable. There are going to be clients who will scream at you. I think sometimes worse than your own boss might scream at you. You know, um, there's going to be deadlines that you have to meet much like the deadlines that any employee has to meet for their boss or their supervisor or their manager. Um, so that's the first, the misconception. Yeah. Uh, as far as challenges go, I mean, I don't think we suffer from any uh, unique or novel challenges that any other business doesn't suffer from. The biggest challenge, which I think is true for most businesses as well as business owners that I know is staff, the people who you work with, you know, their performance, mm. um, how you train them, how you deal with their lack of performance by far and away is the biggest challenge. Yeah. No, so no this is an, an issue of uh, leadership, uh, essentially. Like, how yeah. Do you... yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of, a lot of times our fault, you know, 
um, our fault for maybe not being quick enough to catch something, um, maybe not being thorough enough with our training, yeah, leaving gaps, lapses, because like anyone else, we procrastinate as well. We're lazy as well at times, you know. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't really change much of anything. Yeah. So so very same. COVID, I think, uh for us we benefited because everyone was at home and because our business is completely online, we benefited. In fact, uh maybe 30 or 40 percent of our uh the people that we work with are not in the same country. Yeah, they're all over the place. Actually, so, 50%. Yeah. So could could somebody who maybe lives even here in Finland yeah. uh, attend your, your courses? You could, but the time difference would be really tough. <laughs> right. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> That's why it's mostly from, from Southeast Asia. Although there are some, like Australia is okay. It's only two hours difference. So that's pretty reasonable. Um, China, where a lot of our students are based, we're on the same time zone. Yeah, so that's really easy for them. But Europe is tough, very tough, because it's six hours, seven hours, eight hours difference. Yeah, so that's, that's always going to be tricky. Yeah. So, so definitely, uh, it's it's good to hear. I love to hear um, when people talk about COVID mm -hmm. and and how they found something positive out of it, like for you. It worked for your benefit. People stopped going to regular tuition centers yeah. and you already had, you were based online and, and you were sort of ready to take the hit. Like uh, for, yeah. for myself, when I was working uh, in a vocational college uh, right. and COVID came and none of us were prepared for it. And yeah. suddenly <laughs> we were all, the whole team told to stay at home and the students to t stay at home. And we were working with special needs students and then like having to having to uh, motivate the students to you know to work with us yeah. and, and to attend the, the zoom meetings and, and whatever we had planned for them was very very challenging we had no system for that and and so it just took us i think nobody had completely. a system for it yeah yeah nobody did yeah that's it yeah so what what really motivates you uh to to keep going and to keep doing this money <laughs> no i Always, mean yeah of course i don't yeah. i don't i don't i don't want to die and starve to death and i want the same things that yeah everyone else wants i want small house very small yeah small as i can get because I, I can't i can't clean houses anything larger than this i will i will fail yeah many times over you know i want uh, a car that's just a little bit better than what I have now. Because the car that I have now is sad. Yeah. Like if you think of the saddest person you know, uh, this car is just a little bit sadder than that. I have to I ask feel. you, what, what are you driving <laughs> these days, man? It's a, it's a, it's a Myvi. <laughs> Myvi is it's a reliable car, I think. Yeah, it's very reliable. It'll never break down. Yeah. Yeah, a yeah. little breakdown, but that, but that, that's that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't do anything else. Yeah, it yeah. starts up every morning, shuts down at night, doesn't drink a lot of petrol. 
and that's about it. Yeah, it's very privileged to say a lot of people are like, oh, you're so privileged. At least you have a MyV. Yeah, I do. And I'm very, very thankful that I do have a MyV. And it's new. I'm super grateful for it. You know, it's just, yeah. I just want a car that I like opening the door and getting into. Yeah, that'll be nice. <laughs> that's a One day. that's a good that's a good reason to to make a make a few bucks yeah. for sure. I mean, I I just had a conversation with this about this with uh with a friend. Like, yeah. you know, like I wouldn't mind paying a little bit extra for a car that doesn't just uh, take me from point A mm. to point B, but but a car that is comfortable and it it's warm in the winter. Uh, it's yeah. It's uh, you know, I I like a car that has a um good um good speakers so that yes, I, yeah, I can yeah. listen to music exactly. I don't have to put on yeah. my my headsets all the time because yeah. the speakers are shitty so yeah. minor <laughs> things like this uh yeah. they do matter really yeah they do my, my priority with a car is not just that you know I like to drive it but top of that list is that the, the metric that I always use to judge if a car is good and worth buying apart from reliability the metric that I always use is can my passengers fall asleep comfortably for an extended journey? You know, a car that can do that to me is top of that list. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, one thing I really, really enjoy is being able to do a long drive uh, and all of my passengers are comfortable and asleep and not bothered. You know, yeah, that to me is like, yeah, you know, don't worry, I'll, I'll drive. Let me do it, right? I can't do that in this car because it's really noisy. It's really bumpy. It's just sad. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, the, the quietness, the quietness is important, yeah. and the suspension, all of that. Yes, absolutely. Correct. So I yeah, like the car a... you used to have, the Corolla. Which one? The, oh, Corolla. The soccer, yeah. mom, the soccer mom car. Oh no, that was the, the soccer. Oh, that wasn't. The soccer mom was. Uh, it was Renault. Renault. Right. Okay. Something. Sorry, this was a Windows. Wagon. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This Corolla was a, a station wagon, right? I, I had a. Uh, that's the one we took to Lapland. That was a Corolla. Yeah, yeah. correct. That was a good, a good car. car. I good really like the car. Yeah, I, I still. It's my sister's car at the moment, so I still. Oh, right. uh, oh it's you still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Okay. It's not mine, but uh, I get to see it running. <laughs> so when I'm I come, happy. can I drive it? You can ask her. I can ask. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta come first. It's still so. running though. It's still running. It's running good. Nice. Yeah, that's see, about just the thing Toyota. about Toyota. It's yeah, it's good. It's just reliable, close. man. Very okay, nice. man. So, what's uh um in your business? What's next? What what gets you excited these days? Uh, are you are you building something, designing something new, planning on something? So um, let me know. Okay. So I I have business partners, and obviously everyone has has um. I wouldn't say the directions are totally different. Everyone is more or less aligned with what we should do and what we can do and where we should go. Um, but I'm, I think I'm very, very, very conservative when it comes to business. Yeah, extremely conservative. So um, where, and rightfully so, when they point out that expansion is necessary and hiring is necessary and spending is necessary, um, I, I think oftentimes I'm, the other side uh, I want to to I would prefer to stay small work with just the people that we already have rather than bringing it more and more and more um, even though 
like admittedly can't really grow unless you do that and until you do that yeah you can't really be afraid of spending um including large amounts as well um, but that's always been my my priority so i think as a consequence the balance that we end up with is usually pretty good you know so like maybe someone else might say we need to hire three new people straight away and then i'll be like can we hire zero new people and then someone will be like how about we just get one and then we get one yeah you know that kind of thing so that that uh so far works really well but my personal priority is um not to grow or even push for growth anytime soon but to work on very small simple things so like the quality of the teaching that we give the quality of the syllabus that we write and create um the excitement that we're able to bring to the class yeah the relationships that we can build with the students as well i think that would be my uh, my reason for yeah what, what i'm excited about yeah I can I can really appreciate yeah. your uh like emphasis of of quality over over yeah. quantity and uh, you know taking it slow. I think I think every every uh successful business over a long long term has yeah. surely uh, you know not jumped into every every new wave uh, yeah. or every new trend uh, but you know yeah worked work to to make what you have as solid as 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 high quality as as possible yeah. and i think that's probably an, an excellent foundation and as yeah. a future educator i'm definitely uh getting inspired by by this attitude yeah. as well <laughs> i think it's just i mean i i have i don't have any background in business as both my uh, partners do very much you know so so uh my approach I, you can see where the approach uh, sort of drifts apart slightly yeah but i don't think the business will exist if it wasn't for them yeah the ones who actually have a background in business and who study business extensively yeah so that that part has been really really important yeah. so i'm sure you I'm sort pretty of sure I would have failed other. on my yeah. own yeah yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure i would have failed on my own Great, excellent. Yeah. So I want to I want to jump to our next topic. I really want to talk about diet. Uh, that's okay. uh, something that we've we've gone through. We've been through. Uh, we've uh, we became uh, vegans together, and we yeah, climbed we climbed a mountain as vegans, and yeah. yeah, and uh, we uh, came to like experientially understand the, the yeah. sort of the the high energy that this kind of type of diet can can really bring yes. and uh so uh i would like to i would like to hear about your diet these days what do you what are you eating these right. days and what's sort of the story yeah. uh or some of the research yeah. that you you've Actually, read to, that, to yeah. come to that no, i do want to i do want to talk about that because this was exactly i don't know if you know this but it's exactly 10 years ago when both of us were vegan for about six months 2013 was when we climbed Mount Kinabalu. So it's exactly what? 10 years ago. It's 10 years. Jeez. Yeah, 2013, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, time goes so fast. That's, uh, yeah. that's a long time ago, man. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of which, before the, the diet thing, so you flew back, I think it was only for, I think it was only for a couple of months at a time, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yes, and I I came from UK, and yes, I had correct, yeah, been, from UK, yeah. I had been eating English breakfast every day, so yes. that's bacon and uh, <laughs> white white bread and yeah. <laughs> and sausages. <laughs> so you came from that immediately, you yeah. flew, and I remember on the first day, um, we met up, and I had lost a ton of weight. I I lost something like. Within just a short period of time, I lost about 23, 24 kilos, something like that. I went from 92 and a half all the way down to 67, 60, yeah, into the 60s. That's yeah. impressive. Within a short period. And I remember you came back, right? And then we spoke. And then overnight, you were like, okay, I'm going to go vegan. <laughs> and you did <laughs> for the whole three months. We immediately, yes. the first, one of the first few meals that we had was just, was the saddest thing. It was just boiled potatoes and oyster, not oyster sauce, but some sauce that we, we put in and made a potato stir fry thing. You remember that? that? Some huh? onions. Yeah, we did. It was onions, garlic, potatoes, and that's it. Yeah. Wow. We I, I, that, I forgot about that meal, but thanks for reminding we me. That's like every, we did a lot of pastas, like plain <laughs> tomato sauce pastas. Almost every day. Yeah. And I think within a couple of weeks, you lost a bunch of weight and you got stronger sure. at the same time and faster sure. as well. Yeah, and we were like also really running quickly. almost we were also every day. Running. That's so, true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, we lost a ton of weight. And then I, what was it, a month later, we were the, the fast, well, to be fair, within our group of climbers, which I think at the time was more than 50 people from both those buildings, right? Who were pushing for the peak. And we were, we we beat the group by almost an hour to the peak of Mount Kinabalu. Absolutely. And I think there was only yeah. one guy up there. Yeah. One or two yes, guys. Yes, yes. Correct. There was us. one guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was one guy. <laughs> yeah. The crowd. <laughs> yeah. That was fantastic. There was one thing I remember, which was still, I still tell this story all the time. It's hilarious. Because the two of us, we got up there so quickly. And just right before the peak, I think maybe like 100 meters or 200 meters before the peak, um, we saw this stretch of just plain rock, almost flat, still on an incline. A whole stretch of, you know, relatively flat rock. And at 3.30 in the morning, nearing the peak where the temperature was well maybe I don't know, 10 7 8 9 degrees celsius uh, at an altitude of almost three thousand, you know more than more than three thousand meters we were like let's have a race and then we get over that so for about 50 meters we sprinted uh, near the top of the hill when oxygen was already pretty low and we did the sprint for about 50 or 60 meters, thinking it'd be really fun. And then all of a sudden we reached the finish line. Neither of us could breathe. We were trying to breathe really hard, but there was no oxygen getting in. And we were breathing again and again and again. Do you remember That's that? It. Uh, it was it yeah. was a borderline, borderline like uh, whether or not die, yeah. we, we would have needed supplemental oxygen yeah. or something like that. I mean it was fantastic. <laughs> And I thought I was gonna die because I I think like, it was close. Yeah. I think it was about four four thousand meters. Or, uh, yeah, correct. It was like near. It was very near the peak. Like that. I remember. Yeah, yeah. It was really near the peak. Yeah, and we were huffing, and normally, you know, when you huff and puff, you you start to recover very quickly within a few moments. But I yep. just remember breathing in and out and in and out, but nothing was actually going in. You know, you were just breathing in and out, but you were not recovering. 
that was fantastic interesting very interesting <laughs> experience absolutely that was great yeah so about from this story yeah. um so how how has this sort of this was our first uh experience about yeah. uh, i think i think having a eating something else than what we've yeah uh, or always eaten you know yeah exploring yeah. something new so yeah. how has this sort of affected your uh the the kind of diet that you're doing now and is was there something that you yeah. tried tried uh in in the between that sort of uh, mapped out your way to to where you're at now yeah i shortly after that that was 2013 when both of us were vegan for a period and then we you know were really fit i think that was we got to the best shape of our lives i think at that time like you i remember you were like 60 kilos or something 61 62 thereabouts yeah, around less? there probably yeah, i could have been i was i could have been a little less also yeah 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 it could have been less yeah i was like 67 we both had B bmis of 2021 super fit like run all day so, um but i think after that you left you went back to finland and i started college just a couple of months after that as soon as i got to college i fell off the bandwagon i started eating anything and everything i started eating three four times a day you know a lot of fried foods fried rice um, a lot of meat a lot of fast food and it was barely what six barely a year and i had gained back all of that weight and a little bit more on top of that i had gone back to 93 kilograms within just to spend yeah less than one year after falling off of that i started smoking barely run anymore so that, that was that was pretty nasty um and then But I've always had this, uh, I think my entire life, I yo-yo. So I'll go heavy and then I'll lose all the weight and I get heavy and I'll lose all the weight and I get heavy again. I think I've done it six or seven times now, maybe more. Yeah, you remember, because we were in school together. Yeah, yeah. Teenagers, right? <laughs> so when I first met you, what, we were 15, 16. I was really thin, slim. Within I think we year. moved we, we moved together at 15 so right. I think we at 15 probably yeah, we met before that yeah yeah we moved to KL within one year I was fat very fat and after that I lost all of it then gained it back and then college and then gained it back um and now more recently um I've gotten somewhere in between not at a good weight but I'm somewhere in between now yeah just somewhere in between that um I'm back on plant-based well, vegetarian diet yeah and it's been pretty good although not all and i haven't excluded all animal products so there are still eggs still some dairy uh, but no meat no fish no flesh yeah what about you and what's and okay yeah i can definitely share yeah, that myself so what, you, what i mean um, the day i have i have found uh sort of um that my body likes best when i eat uh according to the seasons so that's something that right uh we have here that sort of uh uh so i i sort of realized that uh my body needs different things in the winter uh than in the summer so in the summer mm -hmm. i eat more plant-based food and uh 
a lot of uh, very light food like salad and and things like that and uh, sort of um, nothing too heavy nothing too grounding in the winter I realized that I love to eat a lot of root vegetables I Mm. love to eat uh, meat and fish and things like that and it sort of um, it sort of warms you up when you when yeah. you have uh, more fats and sort mm. of uh, makes you comfy in the in the winter and then in the right. summer it's just a natural thing it's very hot you don't feel like having anything too heavy so I have mm. a lot of uh, yeah a lot of salad and like um, uh, things like zucchini a lot of zucchini right. over the summer and uh, things like that so that's uh, usually what I eat uh, except uh, I. I try to keep uh, food like uh, pretty healthy, so I don't I don't eat mm-hmm. uh, like refined sugars, uh, oh, almost nice. almost zero. So yeah. that's something that and and I eat I drink a lot less alcohol than I used to. So it's a uh, mm-hmm. it's the occasional yeah. glass of wine or or a sauna beer or or something yeah. like that. So that's uh, really been super helpful. I feel like I'm able to maintain my body weight uh, a right. lot lot better as well. So right, yeah. Do you, do you do like the usual three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner? I have I have two two warmed meals a day. So in the morning right. I'll have I'll have eggs and porridge. Mm-hmm. So uh, eggs and porridge in the morning, so that's warm. And then somewhere in uh, around four or five ish uh, after this this podcast, I'll probably yeah. prepare some food and I'll eat a right. warm meal. During the during the lunchtime, I'll have something light. Uh, like right. bread or etc. Okay, right. Yeah. So it's more like two meals and a snack, kind of. Two, t- yeah, two meals yeah. and and a snack. Yeah, something like that. Right. What What about you though? What's your uh, I, sort of rhythm? I, I've I've been going back and forth because I want to try and see what what works. Um, but in doing so, it's become really stressful. <laughs> you know that <laughs> thing where you have too many choices, you keep trying, you never you never give yourself enough time to form a habit. Right, because habits, habits always work. Yeah, form That's a good it. habit, Momentum. life generally gets better. You form a bad habit, your life usually gets worse. Right. Yes. So I constantly go between two meals and then three meals and then four meals, and sometimes I forget it. Uh, but more recently, I've been trying to stick to a very, very firm, more rigid three meals a day. Although I don't really ever eat breakfast, breakfast like the eight o'clock, nine o'clock thing. Even if I wake up early my first meal is usually 11 yeah so nothing until 11 and then i space it out by about four hours so it's 11 a.m and then it's 3 p.m and then it's 7 p.m something like that yeah have you tried that before or do you wake up hungry and i have to eat yeah. straight away yeah i i don't yeah i, I usually eat like uh hour or hour and a half right. from waking up so right. i i have i have a like a morning routine that i don't do every day because it, it, it's challenging to keep a routine yeah, every day especially sure. if you slept bad and and, and yeah. all that but i do most days uh these days um uh, i'll start my day with a uh, with uh, some yoga and mm-hmm. uh, oh, breath good. yep breath work routine and then uh mm-hmm. in the winter i will usually after that i will go outside into the snow naked nice oh, that, that's that's the cold exposure thing i, oh, I that's, yeah that was fantastic. my favorite thing yeah 
so pass. absolutely and if i if i had a if i had a lake i would go into the into the frozen lake yeah. every single morning that's yeah it's medicine <laughs> yeah it is that was True. one of the yeah that experience i think i remember the most vividly uh the ro rolling in the snow and then steaming hot sauna yeah. And then the rolling in the snow, and then hot sauna, and then do it again, 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 and then have yeah, a beer, and yeah, then do yeah, the yeah. whole thing again. Absolutely, that was the best. And then one yeah. more beer. After that was that. the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I wish we can do that again. Uh, rolling in the snow, all of that. But I can't. I I try to tell people what it feels like, but I can't really describe it because it's it's one of those because uh, I've never ex I've never felt that before. You know, so I don't know how to describe it to somebody. Yeah. Only that they should do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just go do it. <laughs> like in either extreme, you feel like you're gonna die. You roll in the snow, you feel like you're gonna freeze to death. And then you go you run to the sauna, you feel like you're being boiled alive. And then you go into the snow and you feel like that. <laughs> and that and the trick is and the trick is what and the trick what I practice is to just breathe through it. Like right. I can, I can spend uh, up to a couple of minutes just lying in the snow naked yeah. and I won't <laughs> even feel cold because yeah. it's something that you practice, you breathe, you relax yeah. your muscles and you just, it's sort of like a meditation and it's That's something true. that you get better at when you do it regularly. So right. in, in right. Finland, there's like all those health nuts, there's people just posting videos of them being six minutes in the, in the <laughs> ice water and. <laughs> And then the people are like, damn it, this guy did six minutes. I got to do seven. <laughs> then I'll go and, and they'll film die. themselves and do seven minutes. <laughs> Someone might still die. I don't know, you know, how far, how far they're going to yeah. take it. Uh, yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about your exercise routine um, is, or, exercise, or other daily routines. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have a routine uh, other than diet um, that helps you keep, keep fit? Not as such. And I'm, I'm not fit. Yeah, I'm trying. And, and I'm getting that, but it's, you know, it's very strange because, uh, you remember 10 years ago, 2013, we got really, really fit. Um, it was a, a couple of things that I would do, but I would do them very, very regularly, every single day, seven days a week, all year. Right. And so that stuff, but when I tried to repeat the same habits today, for example, eating mostly low-calorie plant foods, right? Like steamed potatoes and beans and pasta. It doesn't really work the same way anymore. And on top of that, it's a lot harder to stick to than back then. Because I think back then I was a little bit dumber. And I didn't, I didn't <laughs> overanalyze what I was doing and what I was eating. Yeah. Pretty dumb. I'm still a little bit dumber, but back then I was really dumb. So it's a lot, but it's a lot easier. So a lot less stress, yeah. But now when I try to do the same thing, um, doesn't really work anymore, and it's a lot harder to stick to because I'm always overthinking. Like mm, maybe this isn't the best approach. Maybe even back then it wasn't the best approach, even though it worked really well. You know, the whole yeah, that's eating it. potatoes and, that's... and running. Exactly. Like I think, yeah. like what we did back then, it's certainly something that did work. But then, of yeah. course, there's the question that maybe there's a way to optimize that, or maybe there's yeah. another way that could be even even better. And so there's yeah. like this endless stream of Correct. of yeah. experimentation that we can do with yes. our bodies. And I certainly yeah. found like um, I, I found uh, it was I, I was doing this ketogenic diet. 
uh, that was oh right the low carb, low carb yeah. thing yeah and and that was a really 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 tough thing for me because it really it's, threw me off balance I was going it's tough so strict it, I was yeah. going so strict and yeah. then and I yeah. started eating uncontrollably crash. a full crash and I just and had a realization eat, right like you just absolutely. eat non-stop like when you get carbs again, yes. you just don't stop yeah. yes yes absolutely yeah. I, it was horrific it was it was terrible yeah. man i can tell you it was really bad yeah. and yeah. so it took me a couple months to almost a year to fully recover from that and yeah. and from 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 that time on i've been just doing this thing that i haven't done anything that restrictive again yeah. and i realized yeah. that it's so much easier for me to maintain balance and stay healthy mm-hmm. when i sort of just try to focus on my body. What does my body do yeah. need today? Like, what, what do I feel like? Is there some deficiency that I need to fill up or do I have enough right. colors on my plate? Um, you know, simple things like that. And, yeah. and sort of, because then if there is a restriction, because I feel like there's a really high sort of necessity within myself for freedom. So when I restrict myself there's this yeah. force that just wants to break oh, out yeah, of yeah. that box like yeah. you don't you don't fucking yeah. you don't do this to me <laughs> like you just let me be free and so so this, this is true. the energy that i'm facing when i put heavy restrictions on myself and i just yeah. realize that yeah I, I can't do it but of course whatever mm. works for you know yeah that's different things point. work for different people yeah. i will say though that having done both many many times the paleo atkins ketogenic diet and then having done the plant-based vegan high carbohydrate diet it is way easier to do the high carbohydrate plant-based diet like if you were forced to pick one right you know eating things like mushrooms and beans and and crunchy vegetables and lots of rice and pasta and potatoes was way easier than when i was doing ketogenic which was in an entire day breakfast lunch and dinner I would have a total of maybe a tablespoon of rice. Yep. You know, you still had rice though. Really tough. I still had rice, but barely. So each meal was maybe two teaspoons of rice. It was a bite of rice, but barely that. And the rest of it was a lot of meat. It's very chicken heavy. Um, It was very, um, it was very fat heavy as well. You know, because most meats naturally are going to be very fat heavy. Yeah. Um, I did eat vegetables. Yeah. I did eat vegetables along with that, but it was way tougher doing that. I lost weight though, very quickly within two weeks, lost a bunch of weight. It's crazy how remember... fast you lose it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember feeling very good on that diet, but I definitely lost weight. Yeah. On that, you know, that potato pasta diet, I never felt bad on that diet. I always had a ton of energy, could run anytime like burst out the door in the morning and be fine you know recovery time was really good as well yeah so if you had to pick one i think i think i would i would, I would be pretty okay like never never ever being able to eat meat again yeah I'd be pretty comfortable with that yeah but i certainly cannot not eat carbohydrate again i will die there's one thing though that i am interested about like um having talked with people who've done like uh, a high carb uh, vegetarian diet for a long time it's uh that over time there might be a loss of uh 
uh, bone muscle mass. muscle weight, muscle uh, mass, and, and yeah, bone mass, etc. Et and also because yeah. our brains need a lot of healthy fats to to yeah. operate, and that's another concern that I have. Like if you have a low fat uh, yeah. vegetarian diet, uh, are you are you supplementing enough uh, like coconut oil or or yeah, olive oil or, olive or some, oil. some, yeah, some yeah, healthy, precisely. healthy fats. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. See, this is what I, I'm very, very undecided, really undecided because, um, you know how a lot of these studies would look at, uh, like, okay, this one, there's no debate on this. All the longest lived people in populations who live, you know, centenarians into their 90s, uh, into, you know, 100, 105 years old, 110, none of them leave out uh, what we would consider healthy fats. All of them have it, right? Olive oils, sunflower oils. Some even have butter, right? But fat is never isolated and left out. And or like, who knows, maybe they'll live even longer if they didn't use the butter and the olive oil and everything else, right? But as far as, you know, I've seen, they don't leave those things out. Yeah. Hmm. You know the blue zones? There's no, one, never in, heard of. one in Japan, one in Greece, there's one in Italy, and there's one in in Costa Rica, yeah. There's only four or five places in the world where people who live within those areas nearly, are not nearly, but many of them, more so than any other country in the world, they live longer than anyone else in the world, but only within those zones. As soon as they exit those zones and they go into a different environment, then their life expectancy is the same as everyone else. So mm. of course, the one common factor that they have is mostly eating plants, um, none of them are vegan or vegetarian, but they definitely don't eat meat the way we would eat meat, which is three times a day, sometimes seven days That's a it. week, all year round. For them, it's more like maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks to have a bite of it. That's it. So that's the one common factor that all of them have. Yeah. But speaking of which, um, about the muscle and, and mass, I don't know if you remember, but you remember when we were in school, we were talking about this deficiency um, resulting in kwashioko. Do you remember that? Kwashioko. We talked about it because it was a funny sounding name in our biology textbook. So kwashioko is a protein deficiency, right? Where the entire body sort of shrivels up, the muscles are gone, they're weak, um, they're malnourished, but specifically kwashioko is a protein specific deficiency um, and yet interestingly enough nobody has ever been found to have kwashioko the only people to have been ever found to have that particular deficiency are people who are also deficient in calories in other words people who are starving to death that's the only time in fact there are i think a handful of studies on people who for more than one year ate nothing but white rice and because they ate enough calories, never ever got such a deficiency. It's really tough to get such a deficiency unless you are under eating. Yeah. Right. So, so, yeah. so what you're saying is that if you keep up the calories. amount of calories that you yeah. you burn in, uh, you can still maintain, uh, according at least according to this study, that you can still. Yeah. Uh, maintain a fairly good uh, bone mass, muscle mass, yeah. etc. Yeah. But is, I'm, what I'm curious about is there a study like over ten years, uh, time or, yeah. or something like that that could give us a more more information about yeah about that. There's not 
there is not a ton of it. Yeah, and it's very difficult because I think a lot of them are like observational studies. You know, it. it's very hard to do like control studies where you lock up a hundred people for 30 years in one room and you put them on a ketogenic diet and you lock up another hundred people in a different room for 30 years and you put them on a vegan diet. You know, although I think that will finally be when we get accurate results. Um, but I do know that observational studies that have been done specifically on ketogenic diets, in fact, there's a really good one. See if I can find it. Um, a really good study that was done specifically on people suffering from COVID. Uh, and it found by a pretty, pretty large margin that those who followed, they don't use the words ketogenic, but they said that those who followed a low carbohydrate diet did a lot worse when they got COVID, a lot worse compared to those who are on a high carbohydrate diet. Now, of course, there's a lot of variables, you know, like how do we know those who are on low carb weren't also alcoholics who smoked 20 cigarettes a day? Because that would also, that would also make it tough on you, right? These are just people who sit there. But I, just, I mean, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Um, and the long-term studies on low carbohydrate diets, all of them agree that weight loss happens quicker. Weight loss happens more effortlessly, but the long-term um, effects, almost all the studies that I've read say it has negative consequences. Long-term as in more than two years, three years, four years, so on and so forth. Yeah, and what, I've, what I, I mean, keep finding out is what that... Yeah, I mean, the people the people who really vouch for this ketogenic diet, uh, they themselves don't stay on all the time. Uh, yeah, it's really people, hard to stay on it. There are people who, yeah. who eat mostly low carb, so that, you know, no refined sugars, etc., like yeah. keeping it keeping it fairly, fairly in control, but still yeah. uh, sort of uh, uh, go on keto, the ketogenic diet every now and then like a lot of people do fasting and there's yeah. plenty of health, health benefits so perhaps doing it in that in that kind of way can be beneficial uh in in a short term yeah. maybe yeah. uh could be one one this is pretty funny and i was talking about this with my friends the other day you know the carnivore diet which is gaining a lot of traction now because a lot of famous people are on it apparently mm, yes and and they're all like oh you know i had back pain for for the last 50 years and then I ate nothing but beef and now it's gone, right? And then it was so funny because just the other day, I, I was watching a vegan video of what, what they eat in a day. And in the YouTube comments, everybody on that video was like, oh my God, being vegan is the best thing ever. I had knee pains for 25 years and then I went vegan and you know now, now, now I can levitate. And another person will be like, my mom almost died from a heart attack, but she went vegan and now she's saved. You know, she's fine. And then like 20 seconds later, I clicked on a carnivore video of what someone eats. And you could find the exact same YouTube comments, but for eating nothing but beef. So on the carnivore video, they would say the exact same thing. They'll be like, I used to eat broccoli and I used to eat potatoes thinking it was good, but I was destroying my body. Now I only eat beef and butter and beef fat, and I'm the healthiest. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. So I thought that was really funny. Like, you know. Yeah, you know, you know what I really wanna. Yeah. 
you know where I really want to take this is is talking yeah. about the the power of the mind to influence the body uh, about the placebo yeah. effect and nocebo effects because oh, this right. is yeah. like this is something that has been found to be like so powerful like if we believe mm -hmm. that what we're doing is good for us there's a higher chance that it will actually be good for us regardless of the of the physical right. uh, uh, sort of stuff that we we put into our body etc so it's yeah. like there's so much so much that we can sort of because the the body apparently does not sort of differentiate between uh what's real and what's not so in in a way like if i feel good uh mm -hmm. due to something that i've told myself that is 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 true i i still get that feeling in my body um uh, regardless of whether it's true if 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 this is what i believe because the emotion yeah. that i'm feeling and the uh sort of the chemistry that's happening due to that in my body is is saying the same thing if i yeah. if i actually believe that that is good so what do you think about have you looked into this uh, uh placebo effect and and sort of how the mind influences yeah. the body my my understanding or uh my knowledge on the placebo effect is only when I read uh, scientific journals. So I've, I've, my understanding of it is when I see, for instance, when someone wants to try a new drug or even a new diet, and they, they, you know, feed a placebo to the control group and then see what happens after that. If there's any change, um, that's my understanding of it. But I, I don't think I've read anything about the effectiveness or efficacy of placebo in the way that you're describing yeah, okay I, I don't think so yeah but that's interesting i should i should go check it out yeah this is and this is certainly something that i've i've uh, it's not something that i've looked into it's just yeah. something that i looked into but it's something that i can experientially talk about like right uh, through through like my meditation practice that i've been having mm -hmm. now for a couple of years a little bit on and off but but mostly relatively uh, stable, and yeah. this is sort of taking taking uh, what I what I'm experiencing in the present moment, and sort of taking it, uh, sort of looking at it objectively, and sort of turning it into something else via right. changing perspective, uh, and uh, sort of sort of the and 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 to recognize over and over like how by changing my perspective i can actually change the way i feel and i can change yeah. the chemistry that goes on in my yeah. body due to due to this uh change of perspective so it yeah. can be very very powerful but it's certainly something that takes a, a lot of practice yeah. uh, sort of you know, it's it's a muscle like meditation like anything yeah. you know, we are working a muscle you're working on certain, a certain kind of focus yeah. and and that's sort of how it uh how it happens so okay so heading uh to the last part of this podcast which is to talk a little bit about um relationships um so tell me a little bit about your story nigel uh and about uh what you've learned along the way we certainly have shared quite a quite a oh, few experiences boy. uh had a some really deep conversations so yeah is there any anything that you'd like to open up with fantastic i think oh okay well one and i think this comes just as you get older 
or if you've been in more than one romantic relationship, which is that we become gradually a lot more sensitive to the red flags. You know, but I think in your first, in your second relationship, all of those red flags get tempered down very, very quickly. Um, that's one, I think, as I've gotten older. But the other thing as well is, is not, because uh, you know when you break up, you're very quick, just because you're so angry, you're very quick to point out what was wrong with the person that you broke up with, you know. But now I think in hindsight, um, I think there were times when both parties from previous relationships when both parties were very, yeah, pretty, pretty abusive, verbally at least, pretty abusive. And I also have realized that if you're with the wrong person, they will trigger the, the abusive tendencies, you know? And, and that I think starts this cycle where you really begin to believe that you might actually be an abusive person. Uh, maybe not, you know, maybe you're not slapping anybody around not even throwing stuff, but verbally abusive, right? But then you settle down with someone who's a lot more like you, has more similarities and, and the, uh, the important values you both share. They never trigger you in the same way anymore. So there's no need for you to use harsh language anymore. There's no need for you to raise your voice anymore. Right? So... I think there is this. There was this trend of people believing that because of one bad relationship that they had, where maybe their partner labeled them as an abusive person, they forever believed they're an abusive person. Yeah. So the the I think what is closer to reality is you might have been abusive in that relationship. Yeah. Again, this is very different from someone who in a relationship slapped their partner around regularly. Because from what I've seen, people who do that tend to keep on doing that again and again and again. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, harsh language and, and raising of voices, everything. I think that's really dependent on who you're with. Yeah, the insecurities think, as well. Yeah, and do you think that um, uh, these sort of, because uh, I've, I've certainly realized in, in certainly in my past relationships that um uh when when i get triggered that i actually also at the same time uh grow a lot in self-awareness because uh with with my previous partner you know <laughs> she she drove me crazy sometimes yeah. and this was this was something <laughs> that i this was a part of me you know came out that yeah correct. i didn't yeah, know you didn't was expect. there yeah. I didn't yeah, know yeah. about this guy and suddenly yeah, I know about yeah. like, wow, I can actually react like this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I... And it reminds you, <laughs> like for me, yeah. when I, when that part came out, you know, I felt like, like, I felt like I was someone who I didn't like, who, like someone who I knew in real life that I thought, oh, I'll never be that person. This person is terrible. But when that part of me came out, I was like, wow, I really sound like that person that I really don't like. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. funny yeah right to me yeah and uh yeah. so but i but i think it's it's sort of like a important because like when you face these situations and, and and you get angry and you you discover these darks dark sides of yourself at least it kind of gives you some idea about where what you ought to be doing or where you ought to be going with 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 yeah. your relationship life etc like you know if something it's 
it's con- constantly triggering you. Of course, there's probably something that you know you can you can look into, like okay, why am I getting triggered by this? Mm-hmm. What is it about myself that I can I can learn about or improve or mm-hmm. or or such? But certainly, it can also give you like a, a sense of direction that you know next time I I will not. Uh, yeah. couple up with with a person who yeah, possesses yeah. this type of traits yeah, and true. and suddenly i will look for something else uh yeah out, out in the world that's a really good yeah, good way of looking at it why why did i react the way that i did and was it necessary although i mean yeah. just just to push back for the sake of pushing back because i i actually overheard this um from from someone that i was speaking to just a few days ago where they said that you know um they had a they were close to a verbally abusive person. And their understanding of that was that, oh, actually, it's not the abusive person's fault. It's me reacting and me projecting that's causing them to be that way. And therefore, most of the abuse that I'm receiving is actually my fault. Or rather, it's a consequence of how I speak and behave. And I think that can be pretty dangerous as well because sometimes that's true. You know, like we all know, we all know the, the trigger points, especially for our parents. We know what to say that will trigger our parents, right? That will make, that will make them get angry. <laughs> that will, they'll be guaranteed. But at the same time, there are just people who are just really nasty, who are just awful human beings, who even if it was never your fault, might just say words that hurt and prick and stab at you. You know, so I think when when you fall into this mindset that it's always just about what I can control and how I should react and what I should do, if not, it's my fault. I also think we have to be careful to know that sometimes there's there someone is just really nasty and they just know what to say to you to hurt you, even if you haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. That's it. And sometimes yeah, you just got to, you got to let go of those people and, yeah. you know, like Draw sometimes boundaries and distance yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's sometimes that's the only, only sort of yeah. a, a right decision to, to, to yeah. take. But I, I think there's also like a, a middle ground with this uh, thing yeah. you mentioned about the projection uh, sort of, I, I do believe that in, in a certain sense, we always attract the type of people to, to us whom mm. we think that we deserve. So mm-hmm. there's usually like if you if you look into people who who've been with abusive partners, there's yeah. usually always uh, an issue with with self-esteem or self-worth, yeah. etc. Yeah. Uh, sort of that causes them to attract people who are going to sort of uh, prove their lack of worth to them yeah. through something like that. So and not yeah. to say that anything is anybody's fault or 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 such, but certainly. I, I I can see, I can see a pattern there. There's certainly uh, people with low low self worth mm-hmm. or or low self esteem do attract people in their lives generally yeah. who don't treat them as well as people who have yeah. higher self esteem. So I certainly this is what I've noticed in my life as I have grown in self esteem and 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 self worth. I do attract people who treat me better because I simply yeah. don't allow people who don't treat me well into my life anymore it's, right. it's yeah. just something it's, took, it's about drawing I mean, that takes time right it does yeah, it, it takes, takes time years, to learn years and time. yeah it takes years yeah. yeah in fact i would say only recently you know the last two or three years 
um, that I realized that. But before that, I was like, yeah, this is pretty much what I deserve. This is all I'm worth and this seems fair. I'm unhappy mm -hmm. most of the time in this relationship or this partnership, but hey, that's okay. Because that's pretty much all. And I think the worst, the worst type of uh, partner you can be with is one who constantly reminds you that this is the best you can do, which is that person. You, know, you can't do better than that person. In fact, I was mm. with someone who would, uh, this was years ago, but I was with someone who would regularly tell me, don't try for anything else or anyone else because this is the best. I, I'm the best for you. This is the best mm. you're going to do. It might sound funny. I mean, someone listening on the outside would be like, this is, don't, why are you believing this? It's not true, right? Someone who's looking at it. But when you're the person who is there alone with them and you've already been with them for two years or three years or, or whatnot, you believe the person. Yeah, you mm. really do believe the person. And I believed the person. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not that good anyway. You know, I know I'm unhappy and, and I know we fight, you know, f in a week, fight five or six times. You know? <laughs> yeah, we take times. a break like once a week from fighting, right? But it's like, mm. yeah, but this is me, I guess. Because you told me this is me. So I guess that's true, right? You're not lying to me, right? Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's it. That's it about, yeah. about reputation, Lime. This is like, yeah. if you repeat a message enough times, eventually your brain is going to believe that yeah. it is true regardless of whether it's true. And, yeah. and so this is, this is why it's so important to have the right kind of people around us who uplift us, who, you know, yes. who say, right. you know, you like you, you can do anything you can do better. You're like, yeah. like, I really appreciate this thing that you're doing and, and, yeah. and sort of, I, I think so we to need be people honest. like that. Of course, yeah. honest, like, yeah, yeah you yeah. can do anything. That's yeah. a little, <laughs> I have a pet peeve out there. Yeah. When someone says, you know, this is, this is my best friend, I'll lay down my life. And yet the one thing that they won't do is they won't tell that friend when they're making a mistake, even gently, mm. they just won't do it. That's like a really big pet mm. peeve that I have, you know, <laughs> you call yourself your friend, um, but you know that being honest is painful and so you avoid it. Because you know, I think we've, we've been, yeah, I have told you when it was difficult as in something that, that would have hurt and it did but i told you nonetheless and i'm pretty sure you've told me yeah more than once um, absolutely. absolutely what man. needs yeah. to be done it was unpleasant to hear yeah yeah so absolutely yeah and more i think more and more uh yeah i think i think certainly i've i've had a a lot of these uh, people please so sync syndrome in in me that yeah. it's been sort of difficult for me to learn in life generally not only to you but yeah. to anybody to to be completely honest with uh the f fear of fear of abandonment or etc like if i if i yeah. don't share honestly what i think then i won't be uh, approved of anymore so there's certainly been yeah. a long road that i've i've walked to to this point that it, it gets easier right. all the time to to yeah. say the truth and i i believe that in deep friendships such as what, what we've been having for many years it's essential absolutely mm -hmm. uh, yeah. because everybody can sort of say things that are comforting or say nice things uh, yeah. but do they actually mean it uh, it's something that time will time will uh, reveal <laughs> <laughs> always <laughs> yeah it's true yeah that's why friendships i think it's uh, something that time time really makes a good friendship yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what that's true. What do you what do you think are the 
biggest challenges and the biggest learnings that you've had with relationships. We don't have to stick to romantic relationships, by the way. Yeah. Any relationships, uh, biggest challenges and learnings or or challenges perhaps that you've turned into into learning. Actually, I, I think it's more with probably more with me than the actual than the people that I've been friends, specific specifically platonic relationships, you know, just friendships. More with me where um maybe this is something that I've carried over since childhood. Um, but I do regularly feel like uh, maybe the person, you know, finds me troubling them, you know, calling or texting or, or meeting online or meeting face to face or asking them to do stuff or asking them to do. Um, that I think has been a real challenge. And yet, I also had this conversation a few weeks ago, uh, which is that you can run the risk of coming across as that person who's always asking to hang out or, you know, want to call, do you want to text, you want to get on Zoom. But what I've also realized that if you don't do it, you're guaranteed to drift apart. You know, you're guaranteed to drift apart. Um, the, the thing that I think I've been better able to develop is when they say no, to not take it to heart. If someone says, no, I'm busy, even if they say it many, many, many times, be like, yeah, no worries, perfectly fine. You know, I'm good. Yeah, but I okay. I think one thing I've learned is don't be afraid of coming across as the as the the irritating uh, person who keeps saying, "Hey, what how what's what's going on? Do you want to meet up? Do you want to get a drink? Do you want to get what?" Yeah, I think that's really important. Really, really important, especially as you exit your twenties. Yeah that that is super important and i think also like when it comes to a, a, a good friendship it doesn't have to be something that you have to sort of in a way hold on to it in yeah, a, like a mechanistic true. way it's something yeah. that you can sort of leave it be like you and i we we zoom a couple times a year that's yeah that's it and it's and, perfectly and fine yeah. it's perfectly fine it's not something that that uh i i feel you know stress yeah. about like you know of course sometimes i get yeah i should call nigel it would be really yeah. nice to hang out and uh, you, you, you get that but it, yeah. it's, it's not that big of a deal you know it's something that i yeah. can like okay you know the time will come it always comes yeah. and it's always nice so so why 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 stress over something like that so yeah. this is this is also i think important and also i think people live cyclical lives so like you know we need to give people sometimes space to i mean i mean you know yeah. this you've also been depressed in your That's life true. so yeah. as has have i so sometimes we need time to ourselves. you know yeah. just that cocoon up and you know and then there's yeah. time for us to be out there be social and yeah. do things <laughs> with everyone and and i think it, it should all be allowed and okay for... yeah yeah i agree so um um uh, we're heading to the end of the podcast is there any kind of a tip that you would like to share uh, to the listeners and to me uh, when it comes to uh, relationships and how to maintain a good relationship of, of any kind ah yes i do i've thought about this a lot actually yeah like a lot i <laughs> talked about it a lot as well. <laughs> okay i i don't like and i think this really I really think this only comes from one place, which is Hollywood. And it's this idea that opposites attract. You've heard it, right? You know, like maybe you're this quiet introvert and you marry a girl who is really bubbly and extroverted. 
I really feel that was a very, very big lie. Because in hindsight, every successful relationship that is stable, um, that is still very, very loving and intimate, even after 10, 15, 20 years, right? All those relationships that I've observed, I'm not, I don't, I haven't read a scholarly article on this. I'm just saying for what I've seen. All of the successful ones um, have a lot more things in common. They are not the opposites of each other. In fact, they're very similar to each other like really similar to each other. Those have been the ones which overwhelmingly work. But I think a lot of people believe that, oh, you know, like they'll fight with each other and they'll admit that I'm so different from my partner, but then they'll be like, oh, opposites attract, so it's okay. <laughs> and I believed it for a long time. I mean, I was with someone who was very, very opposite, extremely opposite, but I was like, opposites attract, it's okay. And that was a terrible relationship for both of us just horrible yeah so if anyone is getting into a relationship or is getting out of one you're gonna look for someone else <laughs> look for similarities and stop with the opposites thing it never works yeah and and i also think i also think that um there's a way to sort of um uh like build this like more coherent uh yeah. energy between people like uh, you know, you hear stories that people who have been, you know, couples been sleeping together for a long time, yeah. they, their heartbeats match and they start thinking the same thoughts. Oh, and, right. Yeah. And sort of you, you sort of yeah. like, like, so, so there's still like, what what I'm saying is that there's still hope for people who, yeah. who have um, like, um, so if there's a lot of opposites, like there's a way to, yeah. you know to to sort of come together and 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 sort of do the yeah, work yeah uh, in, oh, in sorry way. i do want i do want to add on to that though it's not that you cannot be in a long lasting romantic relationship if you're opposites but what i've felt and what i've seen i really believe you're making it unnecessarily difficult on yourself you know like it can work yeah you can even get married um but Anyone who does that, I think you have to ask yourself, is why are you putting yourself through a lot of unnecessarily difficult work to, to make that work when you could be with someone who is kind of at where you are and then focus all your, your remaining energy on important things like work, possibly even children, you know, buying a house, yeah, building your career, things like that. Yeah, if you feel like, no, my energy is better spent um, trying not to fight with my partner and consistently going for counseling and trying to do everything right in the relationship. Then by all means, go for the opposites. Yeah. But if this you're is, a normal, is... sane person, don't, don't do that to yourself. This yeah, is actually, really one thing I've learned. This is actually very, very thought-provoking and it's really causing me to process what you're saying here. So I'll definitely take this as my homework look into it because i'm yeah, i'm, I'm thinking it. about my previous relationships and i'm, I'm thinking yeah. about how there were so many mismatches uh yeah uh you know just a day rhythm and uh yes so correct. many more things that you would be amazed top right, secret, like... sim simple simple things like how, yeah. what time your partner likes to go to mm. sleep versus you you'd be amazed at how much that can affect you really you know like a little bit is okay. You know, maybe you like to sleep at 11 o'clock. She sleeps at 11.30. That's okay. 
But when you have a partner, which I've experienced, where you want to sleep at 11 o'clock and they want to sleep at 4 in the morning, that really wears out. It gets it's old hard. really fast. It's really, hard. really fast. Yeah. I, I've, I've had this uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in my life, uh, something very similar. You get angry. Uh, it's yeah, certainly, and you become resentful. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I, I certainly... I'm I'm really really yeah. interested into looking into what you just uh, the tip that you yeah, yeah. you've given all of us. So thanks a lot for that. And so, no I guess I guess the last question do I have? Uh, if there's someone uh, somewhere in Southeast Asia who would like to uh, learn more about your company and what you do and to get in touch, or perhaps even someone in Europe. Uh, where are people going to fi- find you and to hear more about you? Well, they can go straight to podiumacademy.org. That'll work. Yeah, they'll bring you straight to the website with all the details. And then you can contact us from there. Yeah, yeah, just head to the website. Excellent. That's That's easy. <laughs> so I'll just put it down into the into the description there All so right. uh thanks everyone for joining the podcast and uh following us all the way all the way to the end and uh thank you nigel for coming hey. uh thanks for having turn... me. yeah yeah it's been a pleasure it's been a delight so and i've learned a lot and there's a lot to process and think about i'm really happy about that because i love to think about and process <laughs> things <laughs> suddenly <laughs> so so thank you for this experience Goodbye, everybody. Bye.